Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. All right, what's up? What's up? West Mitchell, Chris Clark here, GC Live coming at you um, everywhere possible in the universe uh, YouTube, Facebook, uh, Twitter, on our podcast. Um, Chris, we had a um, request from a subscriber if we could start putting these up as audio all the time as well so they could listen in their car. So um, so from now on, you'll get GC Live um, everywhere. You get podcasts plus here uh, with video. I would say if you're, if you're watching on Facebook or Twitter right now, YouTube, I believe, is the best place to watch it. Even if you're watching on Gamecock Central Embedded, um, click on through to YouTube. That's a way better way to chat with us sort of instantaneously. But, we'll get, I mean, if you throw a chat in there, we get them from everywhere. So they all sort of come to our screen from, from all the different areas. But, um, yeah, glad to be back on. Wes Mitchell here, Chris Clark, GamecockCentral.com. Plenty to talk about as we inch closer, Chris, to September 26th, opener, Tennessee, We've started to sort of get a feel. I thought about this today. We may not know a depth chart. I think we actually could probably name every starter right now if the season were to start today. Uh, like I, I think you almost sort of have a feel for that, maybe save one or two spots. So um, that's good to start to have a feel for that. But first and foremost, um, earlier today, Chris, I know you were out there, the team doing a uh, – it sounds like it was a very brief, just sort of to the point um, 
demonstration at Russell House, but uh, several players talked um, to carry on Joyner, Jabari Ellis, Jay Urich, and um, it sounds like I, I was reading some of the stuff from there. I know you were out there. I was not. Um, some just powerful words from the players. And I would my, my takeaway, Chris, uh, looking at, at what carry on Joyner said, um, this, this really isn't about anyone talking about politics. This really isn't about anyone even trying to put their beliefs on anyone else. I, I didn't take it that way. I, the carry on Joyner's comments to me were just about, Hey guys, we we just want you to listen when we say things are different for a black guy as they are for a white guy, you know. And it's like I I'm a 34 year old white dude. I I don't know what it's like to be a black person, you know. I will never be in those shoes. But like Will Muschamp said, he had a player say, "Coach, put yourself in my shoes." So I I think the message is is that. Just try and have some empathy and try and open your open your mind a little bit that when a black kid says, hey, it's, it's different when when I deal with a situation for me than it is for you and try and consider another point of view there. That 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 was my takeaway from everything. Chris, I know you were out there uh, just I mean, you, if you're watching, if you're listening, you don't you don't have to even agree with everything that the players say right now, but you have to at least agree that they have the right to tell you how they feel and how they believe, you know, and what they believe about what's going on in our country right now. Yeah, this is a good point. And, and so just to run down a little bit of, of sort of how it went, you know, one of the previous uh, demonstrations, I guess the first one that the team did earlier this year, or earlier before the preseason, you know, some players talked. So nobody talked to the media today. So that's why we haven't had anything on that. Well, Muschamp didn't talk. I remember last time to carry on Joiner talked. So really, they just sort of walked up to the Russell House right in front. They had a podium. The guys that you said West spoke is led off by Jabari Ellis. To carry on Joiner spoke. Um, Lauren Chang from the women's soccer team spoke. Um, I think most, if not all, the women's soccer team was out there as well. They had some signs and stuff. And then Jay Yurick spoke. And so it was pretty powerful, man. I will say, um, you know, before. Before they uh, took the podium, Connor Shaw and and the other players who were going to speak, you know, had a little just to themselves, a little prayer off to the side. And they spoke. It was fairly quick, you know, 10 or 15 minutes or so. And uh, but some of the stuff that DeCarry on Joiner talked about in, in particular was pretty powerful. And you're right. There wasn't, you know, yeah, there's some political stuff in there a little bit, but not a ton. And, you know, I know people it's been a hot button issue for a lot of people. You know, look, here's the thing, man a lot of stuff is talked about within the team. You know, some people are saying, well, why are they, why isn't their focus on this thing or that thing? These players, it's a very diverse locker room. They talk about a lot of things internally um, and some things externally. And so this is one of the things they've talked about externally. The, the coaches have been supportive of it. The players have been supportive of it. For me, you know, watching Jay Yurick up there in particular as a guy who's um, from the upstate, um, of South Carolina, who's a white dude, you know, talking about some of those things, <clears throat> I, th- I thought was really interesting, compelling, pretty powerful. That was just my takeaway. Other people may not think so, and that's totally fine. But um, that was my takeaway from it. So it's pretty brief. And, um, yeah, like I said, women's soccer, I didn't see any other. There might have been some other, you know, student athletes from some other sports, but I didn't see them. They weren't prominent. But Lauren Chang was the only non 
football player who spoke. But uh, yeah, they did that, and then they they got back to it. Um, that that was about it. But a uh, peaceful little demonstration for them today, or just to just to sort of talk over a few things. Yeah, and to talk about something that is important to them um, as student athletes, and um, you know, a lot of times you're talking about you're talking about a football team that is um, you know made up majority of young African-American kids. So, um, again, I think we just – what they want is for us to listen and try and open our minds to what it's like, um, you know, that they they're li- they live a different life than, than you or I do, just like, you know, somebody else in, the, in this country that might be a different minority might have a different story about what life in America has been like. So, um, yeah. you know, so I, I think that, that was my big takeaway is that, hey, we can all – look at ourselves in the mirror and be better listeners and then try to work together in this thing, as opposed to it being some white versus black issue, you know, where it's, it's not, they're not saying white people versus black people. They're saying, let's come together and try and make things better off, uh, you know, for all of us. So, um, all right. So football wise, South Carolina, obviously off today, they'll be back practicing tomorrow. Um, today wasn't a practice day anyway by the schedule. Um, scrimmage on Saturday, this past Saturday. And, um, you know, I, I think we've had some good stuff. Uh, I'll go ahead and I guess to my own horn. I think we've had some good stuff on Gamecock Central today um, about the scrimmage. And I, I think some – we're starting to get a feel for what this team is going to look like. I would say, Chris, for the most part, Kind of played out the way we've expected, but there's always subscribe. There's always surprises in preseason camp. There's always different things that play out, you know, differently than you suspect. So, um, what 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 maybe did sort of stand out to you just from you know from what Coach Muschamp said after the scrimmage? Talked about 25 minutes. Really, I thought gave some good answers on on some stuff and uh, sort of um, gave us. We're starting to get a little bit more of a feel for who would be the first guys out there if they started today? Here's honestly what stuck, stood out to me the most. The the one moment in the press conference that was a little bit like an aha or a wow moment for me was because he was pretty blunt about it was the main reason was talking about the, the defensive line on the second team and third team units, the backups. He said they stunk you know, and so in the scrimmage. And so that to me was pretty eye-opening. Right. Um, you know, and, and even more so because, Wes, the, the guys that, from our understanding, have been taking a lot of second team reps are two of the most highly recruited guys on the roster, you know, uh, in the past several years. Right. And, and Rick Sandage and Zach Pickens, there's some other guys certainly in there, you know, when you're talking about second and ter- third team. But it, I think he was talking about the whole defensive line, you know, but we know that first group. For the most part, there's been a lot of Aaron Sterling and J.J. and Ibarre and, um, you know, Jabari Ellis and Kier Thomas on that interior. I don't know completely. Maybe, Wes, you know, if, you know, did, did a Pickens or a Sandage, did they step, step up and take first-team reps at times? I don't know, possibly. But Jabari and KT have been the guys inside that have drawn the most, you know, first-team reps. And Muschamp's been very upfront about that. So that was a little bit eye-opening to me. I think it was a little bit of a motivational tactic, if I had to guess. But I also don't think Muschamp would say that the guys played great if they didn't. You know, I think there was sort of a, a double side to it where they didn't play that well, 
and he sort of wanted to make it be known, right? Because he talked about this other night during his college show. He wants, what, 10 to 15 guys they can really count on when you talk about that front seven. And so they seem to feel pretty good about the first group, especially when they get Ernest Jones back at linebacker. But they've got a and, – and they feel good about the starting defensive line, but they need to have Sandage and Pickens take a step up. They need to have, you know, an edge guy or two step up and take a step forward. They need to get – Rescindo Lewis back in September. They need to get Ernest Jones, who's going to be their starting mic back in September. So I think it's uh, – that was honestly the most intriguing thing to me, man, because I think he was just so blunt about it. Yeah, very, very, very blunt about it. And I think, um, like you said, he doesn't really say things like that, um, you know, if he, if he doesn't mean it. And, you know, frankly, we, we've talked about this before, man. A lot of times we um, – we as media or fans watching a game, we look at the flash plays and who, you know, who's in the backfield, who's getting our attention. Yep. Coaches, they know what a player is supposed to do on any given play. They want the consistent responsibilities to be taken care of, techniques to be handled correctly. You know, that they are looking for something very different. So I think we all know that the second team group on the defensive front is very talented. You know, Muschamp has talked about it this very offseason that he's got high hopes for, you know, for those guys. So, you know, I, I think it's something where you continue to um, try to push the buttons if you are the uh, the staff and you got you got three and a half weeks left. So there, there's room to there's time to bring those guys on. But it's, um, you know, really a chance. And, you know, I think Muschamp's saying, hey, guys, you're not necessarily – you're not in high school anymore. you got to keep pushing. There's got to be consistency here if you're going to play a lot for this team. I do think – I start to feel pretty confident that this defense has a chance to be good, man. I I think you look – the way – Chris, if you you watch Will Muschamp talk long enough, now we're on, you know, season five – you can sort of when, when he's really high on a guy, you can tell. And you know, I looked and the way he talked about the guys coming on at linebacker without Ernest Jones there, the way he talked about Sharai Green and the consistency he's seeing from him, Damani Staley doing going out of his comfort zone at you know at the mic and sort of being a guy who just doesn't talk a whole lot, but having to deliver you know, calls and plays from that position. And then, dude, Brad Johnson, the way he sort of lit up when he talked about Brad playing the Sam. Um, I I think linebacker starts to sort of – you see how that position is going to fill out. I think game one, it's Ernest Jones at the mic. It's Shrey Green at the will. And then it's – you look at the Sam and you say Brad Johnson. I, I think they feel pretty good about those three. Damani Staley's maybe the backup at, at one of those spots. Mo Kaba maybe the backup at one of those spots. And, um, you know, you start to sort of see the pieces coming together there on a, at the linebacker spot. Yeah, I think the, the Brad Johnson, the Sam thing, is, is one of the more intriguing, like, offseason moves that's been made. You know, coming into this year, for me, I was really interested to see would this sort of be Brad Johnson's year to take a step forward? Wes, you remember that I was pretty high on the kid out of high school, class of 2017, out of Pendleton, a guy that I really, really liked. Um, I thought he 
had a lot of upside, big, powerful kid, great kid. Um, had to play too early as a freshman. We all know that. Been a lot of guys, especially up front defensively, who've been in that same boat, whether it's Rick Sandage or uh, even Kier Thomas you know, in the 2016 season. J.J. Anibare playing defensive tackles, a freshman in the 2018 class. A lot of guys who've had to play too early just because they've been forced to because of lack of depth or injuries, whatever it may be. So I think he fell into that category. A lot of people that I've talked to, guys who know Brad well, think, hey, he needed a redshirt year. But he didn't get it. It is what it is. And then, you know, he had the injury. Uh, but he's someone that I really felt like by the time he was a junior was going to be a starter and going to be one of the better guys on this defense. So it looks like maybe he still has that chance. Muschamp's been really happy with this transition. Wes, he lost 20 pounds. I mean, this kid was 255 or so at the end of last year. It is 235 now. Reshaped his body, but he looks good. I never thought he would be a linebacker. I always thought he would just get bigger and bigger, even maybe outgrow Buck and be more of like that strong side type of end that you think about. So it's just been really interesting because I came into this year thinking, all right, can Brad Johnson sort of hold off everybody and be the starting buck, or can he help out an end? And now it's changed that he's going to be the Sam. So it's a lot different, but he'll definitely give them a physical presence out there. And I think it's probably going to help them a lot in the run game, you know, when he's out there at Sam. And, and they'll certainly face their fair share of teams who are going to try to line up, especially in certain situations, and run the football. Or maybe uh, Brad Johnson can just be an extra guy on the field who can really help you in those situations. Yeah, I, I think, man, you're, you're seeing them slot. They're slotting the veterans and putting them in a position to take, um, you know, first-team reps. And then it's kind of like, okay, the veterans on the defensive line and the linebacker spot, here are the veterans. They're, they're creating, like, the baseline for this position. If you're – if you want to if you want to start, you got to beat out the guys that have been here and, and done it. Now, obviously, Brad – um, like you said, it's been up and down as far as playing time. A lot of times, uh, you know, it's because of injury, and he did play the buck. I, I think knowing what they ask of that Sam backer spot, I don't think there's a ton of, um, you know, like required uh, coverage and stuff like that. Uh, you know, you're, on, you're in that package when the team is sort of more run heavy too. So I think there's a lot Brad could do there. And, and then there's – you can always turn Brad loose as a pass rusher as more of a buck type role, um, you know, in pass rush situations. So, you know, there's, there's something to be said for that, but I think, um, you know, across the the front seven, they're sort of saying, all right, here are the veterans. If a younger guy can step up and beat one of them out, then, you know, then so be it. But we're starting with the guys who are a little bit older and have maybe a little bit more ownership over their various position groups. I'll be curious to see how those spots continue to play out. And, um, you know, but I, I think what, you know, Rosendo Lewis is a guy who actually had some good moments in the spring we heard, and then he's been hurt again. So can he step in and maybe provide some more depth at, at linebacker? Maybe um, Mo Caba, I think, will keep pushing. And then even the forgotten guy would be Jamar Brown in that he's sort of playing safety, but he's playing that dime sort of, you know, a lot of times in the past, I've heard them put the will dime sort of together um, as far as what they've called it. And, you know, I, I think basically in the past, sometimes it was the same player. So when they were in a, maybe they're even in a dime package, but it looked, it doesn't look any different to us because the same guy was playing that will dime sort of spot. Now it sounds like in past situations, 
maybe you take a try green off the field and bring a Jamar Brown in and uh, get a little bit more athleticism on the field. So I, I'm, I look at this man that defensively, I just think they have a lot more options from a skill set standpoint to match up a little bit better than they have in the past. Yeah. So I think going into this preseason, there were still some questions and they still need to be answered. And, you know, I think the main ones was how do you cope with losing Javon Kenlaw? And so we all looked at, and I still look at, you know, Hey, got to have Pickens and Sanders take a step forward. That's still true. But I think we probably even undervalued Kier Thomas because probably a question of, is he going to play inside or outside? We knew he could play inside. We knew Jabari else would come on. I don't know if I expected him to make that big of a move to where, boom, he's probably your day one starter right now. That could change. But, uh, that was one question. Figuring out safety is still a question. Muschamp's talked about that very frankly. He said, look, we got to get better there. But they at least have more bodies there. Honestly, they've got more healthy bodies right now. And they got some guys that can play. You got Jamie Robinson going into year two. You got a healthy Jalen Dickerson. You got RJ Roger going into year three. Um, so, you know, you might, you have the ability to move McQuamu over if you want. So there's more options. The, the vibe that I've gotten from talking to some people, man, is just there's more depth across the board. They got more guys that they feel like they could put into the game. You still got some questions of safety, losing an individually dominant guy like Kinlaw. And then some of the configurations in the secondary have been a question. I feel like we got probably right now a little bit more clarity on that. They're going to play it situationally. It seems like McQuamu is going to play a lot of corner. But I don't know, man. They made a few moves, and it seems like that's really sort of maximized what they have. And then it feels like they've got some depth out there too. Is it going to be the best defense in the country? I don't think so. But I'm with you in, in thinking that if this group can stay healthy, and that is another aspect of some of the struggles we've seen the past few years when this team struggled, a lot of times it's been towards the end of the year when they've just been decimated. So if they can stay healthy, they do have some depth to where and enough talent where I think they can have some success this season. Yeah, and, you know, I, I think with secondary, man, I've, I've heard some good things about Cam Smith lately. That's a guy that, you know, has has long been circled, he and Johnny Dixon, as being, okay, if, if one or two of these guys can step up, it gives them a little bit more versatility with, within the defensive backfield. I would tend to think, you know, I, I think right now, I think they actually feel pretty good about Jamie and RJ, at, you know, at safety, and then McQuamu and JC at corner, but – if Cam keeps coming on, then I think you look at, you know, maybe when you go to nickel, maybe that's when you slide McQuamu up to safety, Jamie down to nickel back, and bring Cam Smith, you know, into the game. We saw something similar the beginning of last year. You sort of saw that's that was kind of the thought process, but it was Johnny Dixon at corner and McQuamu sliding up to safety, you know, at, um, in his absence there. So. I think there, there, there are options there, though, which is, is good for them to be able to say. There were times over the last few years when you're literally looking at, like, the same five guys, um, you know, in, in the secondary that are having to play the entire game at, at times or six guys for five spots, and it just um, – it was really a struggle. So, um, let's see. We did – you know, we got a couple of questions. We'll sort of – some of this stuff y'all are asking we're going to hit on anyway. Um, so – but these do fit uh, our buddy uh, Robert Prophet here, breaking down film, uh, wants to know about Jalen Dickerson. And Shane, who has become a, a reliable watcher as well, wants to know if there's a particular freshman on defense um, that has jumped out 
I will say, first of all, just for clarity, we we don't get to watch practices right now. Um, we, we did used to get to see a little bit of practice, but with new protocols with Corona, basically nobody is getting to watch. So, um, so I, I mean, I'll give you some guys, but it's not really anything we personally laid our eyes on. Um, freshman defensive side, I, I still, Chris, I still look at Jordan Birch and just the fact that he's got the pass rush juice, the length on the edge. I, I'm not saying he's necessarily going to even be like an every down guy, but I, I just think as far as impact, making some of those splash plays that, again, fans and the media love and just being someone to make an impact on this team that people notice. If I'm talking freshman defensive side, um, as much as we've heard talk about other guys too, my mind still goes back to just that natural talent that, that Jordan Birch has. Yeah, for sure. That, that's always a guy that's going to do some things to flash, man, just because he's, he's just a big guy that can run, you know, he's, there's a reason that he was a five-star, you know, he's physically impressive. He's flashed, um, you know, from an athletic standpoint, does he still have a ways to go in terms of learning everything and refining everything? Sure. You know, and, and I think he's lining himself, he's putting himself into a position to play some this year. And maybe he's a guy that plays some early and is able to just sort of keep building on that. Cause it's going to take him some time. It's going to be a transition for him. He wasn't here, you know, in the spring as limited as that was and just having five practices, you know, a lot of guys did have that time, you know, Luke Doty, for instance, I mean, it was huge for him, you know, different side of the ball, but it was huge for him to be in place during the spring workouts, just being in team meetings, just getting acclimated and all those different things. Um, you know, I think, I mean, Wes, Rashad Amos is probably, I mean, this guy you've talked about a ton. Rashad Amos would be one that certainly we've heard some flashes of as a true freshman. Alex yeah, yeah. Tonka Hemingway. I mean, we've, we've heard some good things about all those guys. Um, I would say those are probably the, the guys that just off the top of my head, um, you know, we've sort of heard some, some varying good things about, you know, just in terms of what they've done. Vershawn Lee, too, is one that, you know, we've heard some good things about from time to time as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just defensive guys. Yeah, yeah. There's a couple of guys there as well. Um, worth looking at. Jalen Dickerson. Yeah, I mean, I, Chris, uh, you might want to speak on this one. I, I think Jalen. It sounds like has been healthy and uh, is in the mix. Uh, may, you know, maybe maybe he's the next guy on the field at, at safety potentially. Yeah, you know, and maybe. You know, R.J. Roderick is actually going to have the the experience factor, even though Jalen's been around longer, just because Jalen hasn't been on the field as much with with all his injuries. Some of them have been almost downright bizarre, but he's remained healthy, you know, throughout the spring, throughout the preseason, which is great for him. You know, I don't think people realize how, how high the staff was on this kid when he got, you know, he arrived early in January 2017 as part of that class, and he just made such a early impression wow this kid's going to be really good um they thought that he was you know one of the best young safeties they'd seen in a while then he just got completely derailed by all the injuries and so can he get back to that form possibly so you know and that would be huge either way having him around as a guy they can count on having him healthy i think it's going to be big but they still feel like he's got a lot of ability all right let's go to the offensive side of the ball a bit um Man, I think you look at uh, 
the quarterback battle. That that's obviously always a discussion. I've saw some some questions already from the various platforms talking about quarterback. And you know, I think it's an ongoing battle. You look at Muschamp and his comments didn't really give away a whole lot. I would say, Chris, um, in the post scrimmage, which you you expect. Um, you know, from from what I heard, from what I have heard, both guys did some good things in the scrimmage. I don't think there was a ton of separation necessarily, but I do think I continue to believe that the knowledge of the playbook, the experience in this playbook is a huge advantage um, for Colin Hill moving forward. And, um, you know, also he's a big kid. He can throw the football. He throws a catchable ball. Um, Did some really good things at Colorado State um, other than the fact that he had injuries that just consistently held him back. So, you know, do you want to chalk that up as a question? Um, yeah, yes, that, that should be a question mark. Obviously, he has to prove he can stay healthy, right? But, um, you know, I, I tend to think that ultimately could maybe be a deciding factor um, with, with the quarterback position. But and we, we had a question on there. I saw uh, who's faster, Colin Hill or Ryan Holinsky? Um, I, I mean, I, I have no idea. They're, neither one is out there racing guys, right? Um, <laughs> No, you know, I, Luke, Luke Doty is faster. You know, like <laughs> Luke Doty is the – if the quarterbacks are going to be running at all, it's going to be when Luke Doty is is on the field. So, yeah. Um, you know, my what, what what's your take on, on the quarterback? I, I think a lot of times I, I ended up just repeating myself. I wouldn't say there's nothing – I wouldn't say there's a whole lot new since the scrimmage. But if you want to look at quarterback from a broad perspective, nothing in the scrim nothing in the scrimmage happened to really change my mind about the way I sort of feel like this thing is leaning, with the caveat that there's still three and a half weeks until right. Then. Yeah, we definitely didn't hear after this. You know, we we have said that scrimmage situations are going to be the situations in which in which you do start to see some separation, but it's normally not going to be after one you know you probably need some more time for those things and so we, we didn't hear and we said this man but in our sort of preview before the scrimmage is sort of asked is there going to be some separation or will we know something after it? It's probably not you know i wouldn't expect to hear after the scrimmage and we didn't hey one guy was so markedly better than the other one that it's just over at this point you know even if even if one guy had a great day and the other one didn't have a really good day I don't know if we'd be sitting here saying, yeah, it's this guy. Um, we've anticipated that it would take more time and probably be fairly close. Each guy has some things that you could you could say maybe work in their favor. Uh, and and I'll, I will concur with you on that, Wes. And Will Muschamp said this. It's sort of telling that he publicly talked about it and just that it does give Colin Hill a leg up that he's got – he knows this playbook like the back of his hand. He's got experience – actually on the field playing in it for multiple years, multiple games. So he's been there, done that. He knows Mike Bobo extremely well, you know, and so those things do help. But I think people do undervalue a little bit that he has arm talent. I mean, this kid can throw the deep ball. He knows where to go with the ball. Um, He can make all the throws. He's a big kid. Is mobility a concern? Sure. But like you said, Wes, neither Helensky nor – Hill are going to be guys out there scrambling around, buying a bunch of time. That's not really their game. They're definitely more pocket passers, and that's just sort of the way it is. So that said, I mean, you know, it, it's going to be really interesting to continue to watch the battle. I think both guys are still in it. 
you know, from what we understand, and, and it's probably going to remain pretty close there. Yeah, we'll keep tracking it. I, I know at some at some point you want to sort of announce the guy, right? Like you want to pick the guy and go for it. But I don't even know. I, maybe announce isn't the word. Announce it within the team. Yeah. I imagine, you know, going into game one against an SEC opponent, Chris, you kind of use every advantage you could possibly get, right? Like you don't yeah. – I, I mean, I, I'd – I mean, may, maybe you get the old Steve Spurrier call-in show uh, starting quarterback announcement. Yeah. Maybe. Or maybe. we all find out September 26th. You know, we'll, <laughs> we'll see. I think you if you want to go all the way back to, you know, year one, 2016, you didn't know who was starting at the beginning of the year. You didn't know if it was going to be Perry Orth or um, Brandon McElwain. A lot of times from game to game, and it was like announced – the day of. Uh, so, um, you know, I, I think it's a situation where if you um, sort of look at the past, it's probably going to be late before we find out. Um, all right. We're, we're sort of sticking with, I saw another question about defense. We'll circle back to that. Um, so remind me later on, but we're trying to keep these sort of on topic. Um, there is a question about were there any explosive plays in the scrimmage? Yes, there were. I don't know necessarily who all made them. Um, I, I do know uh, Luke Doty had some good moments at receiver. He played a, a lot. Um, they sort of, you know, they, they still limit the reps of the guys who are sort of proven. You don't want to get like a shy Smith um, injured in a scrimmage. So I think they sort of limited his reps. Uh, that offered an opportunity for Luke to get a bunch, you know, of reps in there. Um, you know, go, let's go back to Rashad Amos. He's someone – who I think had some big plays in the scrimmage, someone that Will Muschamp mentioned, someone that I've heard mentioned a lot as well. And I think just brings a little bit different dynamic to that position. I, I still think Zaquandre White sort of is your, your best combination of talent and uh, sort of being an upperclassman, man. But when I look, you know, sort of comparing Deshaun Fenwick, Kevin Harris, to Rashad Amos – it seems like if Rashad Amos can clean up some of this freshman, just normal freshman stuff, right? Mm-hmm. He can keep pushing for playing time is the feel I get. Yeah, man. And, and you know, I think Rashad Amos – look, this is something I think we all – say battle, but this is something that we all go through is when we're sort of assessing, you know, how much can a kid help. We sort of tend to go in order of the guys that were – you know, the most highly recruited, the most highly ranked, who offered these kids, how sort of highly regarded, how much hype did they have? And a lot of times that's well-deserved. I mean, with Marshawn Lloyd, of course, going to be out this year, we we expected the most of him because it was pretty obvious that he was special. He was also very highly recruited. But Rashad Amos, I think, just really, really, like, flew under the radar, you know, because here's a guy that was, you know, committed to Western Kentucky for a while. He was a little bit of a later bloomer during the recruiting process. He did pick up Tennessee and, and a bunch of other schools later in the process, ended up offering him. But he was a later offer for South Carolina. He was a three-star kid. So he just didn't have, you know, the accolades of some of these other guys. And so maybe that's why the expectations are lower. But, Wes, I mean, you've been on it, man, with sort of on the uh, Rashad Amos train because he has been impressive from what we understand from the time he got on campus and when you talk about workout settings and then when they actually hit the field, you know, Muschamp mentioned ball security the other day that 
they got to clean up some things that he was a little too loose with it. Those are obviously coaching points they can give him because he said, look, doesn't matter how talented you are. If you, if you don't take care of the ball, you won't play. But, I mean, Wes, this kid put up – I mean, he had 1,300 yards and scored 30 touchdowns, I think, as a senior. So, uh, playing good competition there at Sandy Creek. So, he's he's a really interesting player and someone that you're exactly right is going to have a big opportunity, I think, especially with Lloyd out, to potentially be able to step in and play some. Yeah, and if um... – if you're listening to this on the podcast, you obviously can't, but if you're watching this um, on any of the video options, you can see these highlights of Rashad right now. And um, dude, I I think um, like you said, and and some of it is just because at the beginning, right, you're looking at Rashad and you're saying there may just not be that need yet. If, you know, if we want to rewind to three or four months ago, you're talking about Marshawn Lloyd, you're talking about Zaquandre White, you're talking about the returning guys. And, you know, Rashad could still be a really talented guy and there's just not that huge need. Well, now all of a sudden um, the need is there. And I, I think you sort of double back and just look at the ability and you say, okay, this this kid has some some make you miss in him. He has some big plays. He can catch the football. Um, you know, was previously recruited by Des Kitchings as well, which I think is always a, a little bit of a help for for a guy that his new coach is familiar with him, even if he didn't recruit him to this current staff. So, you know, I, I tend to think eventually all four of these guys will be needed, right, at, at running back. That's always the case. But yeah. – um, it, it just may it may be a little bit sooner with Rashad Amos than uh, than you know we we realized early on. So um, I, I tend to think you look and uh, you say it, it's all hands on deck, and uh, Rashad Amos may may be called on much quicker than maybe we we thought early on. Uh, but I, I like the film. You know, I went back and watched it. What um, you know, once Marshawn went down, and there, there's a lot to like about the film. Of uh, of Rashad Amos, so uh, you know Ernest, you were asking about. I, I don't know if there's separation at running back. I think it's still playing out. Everybody's still in the mix, but just uh, you know, as we've said for a while, watch out for Rashad. Um, Je, uh, you know, talking offense, we haven't gotten to to the tight ends. Nick Muse, I think, still very clearly the, the dude, the guy at tight end. But um, I, I think Royal Register has probably gotten as much buzz this offseason as he has at, at any point prior and if you start looking uh, somebody asked me today who's who's the number two tight end I, I i mean do you do you know the answer chris i i don't know right now who uh, the next guy on the field would be um i i tend to think um and real quick on running backs we had another question zaquandre white yes he i mean he's still very much in the mix i still wouldn't be surprised if he's the starter game one but um yeah back to tight ends I think who's next probably depends on down distance and need Bobo has talked about you don't ask a guy to do something that he's not comfortable with so if they needed somebody to come in as sort of that inline attached tight end the answer may you know maybe will register another role maybe Keyshawn Tony maybe Kevion Mullins so there, there's some options there. I think we don't really have an answer yet. 
Yeah, and I mean, Trey Kenyon's the guy that, um, you know, another guy out there that hasn't been talked about as much that's still there, but we haven't heard as much on. At times, he's been out. And so, you know, there's sort of a question there. But Will Register is probably that one guy that you pick out that sort of made an ascension, right? Because he wasn't, you know, didn't, didn't play, just played some special teams last year, hasn't really factored in. And we did wonder, you know, going into this offense, we knew Mike Bobo, hey, maybe he's going to use more tight ends, particularly with the wide receiver questions. And Bobo's been up front with, hey, we, we've had some formations where we play two tight ends, sometimes three, sometimes even four. And so not only are you getting more guys on the field, but there is an opening behind Nick Muse. The other thing is, you know, two guys that have been thought of as tight ends for Carolina with Jaheim Bell, who's definitely more of that flex type of guy, and Eric Shaw. You know, they've been out as well. Eric Shaw with the bone spurs, Jaheim Bell with the knee, with the meniscus, getting that cleaned up. So those guys will be back, you know, next month, which may set them behind or will set them back and, and put them behind in terms of actually being on the field. Once they get back, can they make a move? Because we eyed both of those guys coming into this season as, hey, there's some openings on the depth chart. There's a lot of guys, but who's going to step up? And those guys are certainly talented. So without them even as well, I think that's made room for some of these other guys to come back. So it, it does still seem open, Muschamp, just from judging from some of his comments. He's mentioned how it's a hard position to play because you got to block. you got to know, you know all the pass game concepts, all those different things and you're learning a new offense on top of it. And some of these guys are still young in it, you know, and so uh, Register's been around for a while, but it does seem like he's got a good chance, his best chance so far of seeing the field. Yeah, and I'm, I'm uh, you know, I, I like when, when guys are able to be rewarded by sort of sticking around, you know. Um, so I, I think it's uh, exciting for him. We'll, we'll sort of see how it plays out. Receivers, Muschamp, I, I wouldn't say a surprise necessarily, but interesting, he says Jai Smith, Xavier Leggett, which we, um, you know, I think we've, we've been saying those two all offseason. We're going to be counted on, obviously. And then we had most recently sort of said, hey, Jalen Brooks taking a lot of first-team reps, Jalen Brooks making a lot of plays, Jalen Brooks could be a starter. And then Muschamp takes it a step further and says, hey, guys, if we were kicking off today and he had the waiver, Jalen Brooks would be one of the starters. So um, receiver, an interesting position right now when you look at um, several guys still in the mix. I think they just still want more consistency um, out, out of that position, Chris. Yeah, for sure. Um, Got to get more consistent there. Um, you know, can't coming in. There were some guys, and I've said this before, I'll, I'll just sort of echo it. felt like there was an opportunity for some guys who haven't shown as much, whether it was having a slump like Josh Van did last year, or just some guys that were injured, you know, that have been injured for so long to step, take that step forward. And would it happen? Is, is this the most talented receiver room in the SEC? No, I don't think so. But I felt like it's better from a talent standpoint than it's shown. You know, so could guys take a step forward to develop? Well, Muschamp mentioned after Saturday, he felt like that group's gotten better, but they they still have a long way to go. So, you know, what I was looking at is, can a Nortre Smith come back or a Drake Davis come back? Can those guys get healthy, stay healthy, and can they sort of get back to a level where they're contributing? Can Josh Van, you know, rebound from last year? I've always been high on Josh Van as, as a talented player. He still does have talent. So it was good to hear that, he was the player of, of practice a couple practices ago before the scrimmage and did some things in the scrimmage according to Muschamp as well. So 
I mean, that's one where I look at it. You know, you add Jalen Brooks. Can, is he eligible? You know, this year, that's obviously a question. To carry on Joyner, you add Luke Doty into that mix. So they, they, they're getting to a point where, you know, you've started to see some separation. You have an idea of the starters. You have an idea of some guys that could take a step forward in the second team in that top, you know, six or seven receivers. But they still have a long way to go. And I think it's still, in my opinion, Wes, a concern until proven otherwise that they just need to find some guys that can make plays for them. Yeah, and, man, I, I think the more I hear, you know, Bo, I think the offense is in really good hands with Mike Bobo. Um, you know, you're talking about a guy who is going to have a plan. The scheme scheme is very multiple. It's going to be some diversity to the running game. There's going to be a lot of new stuff. Um, you know, he's someone Muschamp can be completely hands-off with and just let him run the offense, right? But you also look and – that's still my single biggest question. Are there going to be enough playmakers, enough guys who can go create things? And, you know, you lose Marshawn Lloyd at running back. That That's a huge loss for all those positions because it took – it takes um, – it puts more pressure, I think, on your receivers and your other running backs w- without him. So, um, all right, we had a few more questions. And uh, Graham here says that Chandler Farrell will get a sack this year. We uh, – if, if that is the case, Graham, um, you've got a free month to Gamecock Central. Um, although Chandler Farrell, you got to – I like the fact this kid has come in, right? Walk on, offensive lineman, has played tight end, has played some fullback, I think, in practice, has is playing some defensive line. Apparently he's an incredible Call of Duty streamer as well. Um, I mean, just does it all. And uh, multi-talented kid. So if, if Chandler gets a gets a sack, that uh, that would be awesome. Had a question about fullback. I, I think Adam Prentice coming in, grad transfer, knows the offense. They talk about. I would say they talk about Adam Prentice much like they talk about uh, Colin Hill, right? I mean, just coming in, knowing the scheme, knowing everything. Kid's tough nosed. There is a little. I mean. I don't think that Prentice is the biggest dude in the world for, for SEC fullback. Um, but, you know, I, I think that's probably his role, um, you know, there. Do you, do you cycle some other guys through there potentially? Um, I, I, don't know, I don't know who the second team guy would be. Um, you know, they, they've moved Sean McGonagall over there to provide some depth. You, uh, you did have Bradley Dunn coming in from, from Hammond, who will be an option at that position probably a little bit more long-term. I, th- I think Prentice is probably the dude right now just because he transferred in, knows the offense, is an older player. But I think they have several guys who will be options at that spot uh, later on, Chris. But but Prentice, wouldn't you say Prentice is maybe the, the person who is least talked about right now as but will play the most snaps among the people that are never talked about? You know, like yeah, yeah. back is going to be a part of this offense. Yeah, it seems like he'll probably play a pretty prominent role. You know, he's a guy that you can plug right in because, again, he knows the offense. He's been there. He can do some different things for you in terms of how he lines up, and he's going to know how to do that because he's done it before. And so, yeah, I think, um, you know, with some of the different things they're doing in the run game, the new concepts, he'll be very important. And some of the running backs have pointed out that he's been important because he's been like a second coach on the field for them. He can can show more to be and help them out with some things. I think he's going to play a key role, probably going to play a lot of snaps for them. Yeah. Um, all right, guys. I 
Is there anything else you think we need to hit on, Chris, as far as what we have planned? And then we'll, I'll, I'll go back through the questions, if not. Um, anything else about the scrimmage that caught your attention? I think we hit most yeah. of kind of the big picture things from from the scrimmage, right? I think those are the main things. A little bit of special teams talk with, you know, Muschamp talking about how they got a they got a kickoff. He wanted one more that they didn't get to. We talked about Kai Kroger a little bit more. Again, same sort of note there. Um, you know, need more consistency. He's a guy that's got a big leg, has a chance to to be the guy for them. And you know, talked a little bit about the returners, but still still seems sort of unsettled. Did mention Jamie Robinson. As with return potential, that was interesting to me because he's pretty dynamic there in high school, J.C. Horn. So uh, still some questions there for sure. But, um, you know, he, he did hit on that. But, no, I think we I think we touched on a pretty much most of it there. Um, all right, so we had a question, Zach Pickens at fullback. I think that's sort of been tabled, you know, him being in, in the backfield. I, I don't really see that happening. Um, let's see. Uh, Hey, it's Grace, uh, Grace Searles, their uh, freshman at USC, who has helped us out. Actually did our Omega Blake awesome commitment video. So, what's up, Grace? Hope you're doing well. Um, you could put Colin uh, – you, you could put Farrell at fullback. That is true. Um, we had a question. How are linebackers doing in pass coverage? Marshall, that's really one of those things that – if it was the Spurrier days where we could watch practice and like specifically look at that, um, you know, maybe we wouldn't have an answer. I don't really have much of an answer based on what we know. I do think the ability to put, like we talked about earlier, put Jamar Brown on the field in some of those situations probably puts you in a much better place, um, you know, as far as covering running backs, tight ends, stuff like that, you know, with your linebackers. Uh, Miss Lynn had a question. I'll pop that up here for all the coaches in the box on Saturday. Uh, from what I understand, all the coaches that that will be in the box for the games were supposed to be up there on Saturday. And I imagine that's what they'll do the rest of the way, because, you know, that that's one of those things we don't we don't think about all the logistics that go into a game day operation. Right. Like getting the having the headset, getting it down to the sideline, then getting it down from the sideline into – you don't do a huddle anymore in most places, but getting it onto the field, then getting it relayed to the rest of the guys, that's a lot to that operation. It's just like a game of telephone. If you're not perfect, you will lose some of that communication that you need. So, yes, that was a big part of the scrimmage. I expect that will be a big part of the scrimmage on uh, Saturday as well. Wouldn't you think, Chris? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, and and Muschamp wasn't totally happy with some of the operation, you know, just getting things down from box to sideline. We don't know the particulars of that. I mean, I don't think it was, he was speaking of any, like, technical malfunction, just just that they need to be a little bit more crisp and getting some of those things on and unrelated to that. But, you know, just was not happy with some of the procedural stuff as well with some false starts, some offsides. So, some things that they'll have to clean up there. That was a big storyline going into the scrimmage. And so they got to get those things corrected. And, and, and I think, you know, with it being the first scrimmage in terms of some of the operation stuff, I would think that'll probably get better, but some of the procedural stuff with keeping your composure, that that's got to be something on the players as well to, to be able to do that. But yeah, I would anticipate that's, you, know, you try to create the game day atmosphere as much as you possibly can. And that's part of it, having the guys in the box. 
Yeah, a question uh, from somebody named Wes. Great name, my friend. Um, any chance that Gunnar Stockton could skip his senior year like Bentley and be a part of the 2021 class? He, I will say he would be capable, but I, there's been no talk whatsoever uh, of that happening. So um, I, I highly doubt it. Um, how good could the D-line be? We'll see, man. I mean, we've, we've talked. If you want to go back on our YouTube, I think there's a complete D-line breakdown on there you can go through. But they, they got it. there's no Javon Kinlaw, I would say, but we've talked about it a lot. Depth is there. I, th I think that's still – there's a chance that can be a strength of this team um, moving forward. Uh, let's see. Uh, Ernest, uh, super early, but how big of an upset would Tennessee – win over Tennessee be? Um I don't know that it would be a massive upset per se, but I don't even know if you can put into words how big of a win it would be for South Carolina to start the year off with that sort of positive um, jumping point, right? You know, like to – I mean, we've we talked about it this offseason, Chris. We've talked about it on the show. Um, it's – that is a key game for South Carolina as far as moving up or or down, you know, in the SEC East, right? Tennessee, South Carolina as a program, they're like sort of they're they're right here, right? And so the ability to move up against Tennessee to have a recruiting or to have a win to point to on the recruiting trail, um, you know, ten, Tennessee has sort of come at South Carolina. They're going head to head on guys. Um, you you really you probably couldn't start the season with a bigger game because it's not it's not a game that people are just going to absolutely say you have no shot to win. It's not a game like Vanderbilt where you're expected to win that. I mean, the lines I've seen are what three all the yeah. way down to like pick them even. Yeah. So yeah. huge game. It is. And you know, we both talked about this when the, when the schedule was still a regular 12 game schedule, you know, we talked about it as probably the most important game of the year. And so now, it's the first game, you know, also. And so it could be a big tone setter, something that would help in recruiting. You're exactly right in that these are two programs that are fighting, you know, jockeying for position to try to go see, hey, can you take another step and go challenge a Georgia or a Florida? Both of those programs, you know, perceived to be, or not even perceived to be, ahead of, you know, your Tennessee or South Carolina. you got Kentucky in there too, who's improved a lot, you know, certainly as a program but who can take that next step forward. And so that matchup is going to be a big head to head in determining that, you know, whether it's in recruiting or just the actual on field result, Tennessee got South Carolina last year. You don't want them to be able to point to it and say, now we got two in a row. We got a streak going. We sort of put those guys in the rear view and we're gunning for Georgia and Florida. Now if you're South Carolina. You can get things back on track, point to your own progress. And maybe you have that argument now in your favor. So definitely a huge, huge game. Yeah, we did, we did have a couple more questions, a recruiting question here. Um, I have not seen this video you're talking about. Um, a Rivals uh, Tennessee video says that they basically have Tyrion uh, Ingram Dawkins in the bag over South Carolina and Georgia. Um, I mean, I'd, I'd be surprised if, they, if that's the case, uh, but th this one has sort of been back and forth for, for a long time. It's been South Carolina and Tennessee. It's been South Carolina and Georgia at times. You know, North Carolina has had some buzz at times. Um, Alabama had some buzz at times. So it, it's sort of been all over the place. Chris, have you heard anything new 
recently, lately on Tyrion Ingram Dawkins? Nothing new. And and again, like you said, man, that, that one's been a little bit difficult to cover because, um, you know, and Tyrion's come out multiple times saying he's about ready to commit or sort of dropping hits that he might be, and it hasn't happened yet. And so I got a question about it this morning, actually. Somebody texted me about it, and I said, when he drops a commitment, we'll, we'll know. You know, until then, it's just sort of or when he drops a date or something. But Tennessee's definitely been in that one. You know, when he had that previously scheduled commitment a few months back, there was some buzz that maybe it was going to be Tennessee. There was certainly some buzz that maybe it could have been South Carolina. We knew it wouldn't be over even if he had committed early. And so maybe he's getting to a point at some point in the near future where he'll be totally ready to shut it down. We'll have to see, particularly with the fact that there may not be in-person visits the rest of this recruiting cycle or at least this season. So that's something to potentially weigh into it as well. But, uh, look, he communicates with a lot of college coaches. I think there's probably been reasons for multiple schools at different times to feel good about it, and that sometimes can make it more difficult to cover. Yeah, definitely. All right, so um, if you're not a Gamecock Central subscriber, actually, first of all, if you're not a Gamecock Central YouTube subscriber, let's start small because that's easy. If you're watching us on YouTube right now, hit the little subscribe button. Um, Very much appreciate the support on here, guys and gals, because our subscribers on YouTube have been through the roof the last 30 days. So um, if you haven't done that yet, hit that. Hit the little bell so you get a notification when we post new videos. And the next step – is come check us out, GamecockCentral.com. we got a 60-day free trial. GC60 is the code. Or just type in Gamecocks for the promotional code, and you get 50% off your first year. So that's $50 for 12 months of GamecockCentral.com. And, um, yeah, man, appreciate the support. Hope you all enjoy the show. We'll be back um, later on um, this week, I'm sure, to talk about the latest from South Carolina football. For Chris, I'm Wes, and we will see you then. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's $200 to use on point spreads Money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager. Only $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in 
West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. 